I'm Larry Dalko. I'm Roger Berkowitz, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. It's a pleasure to have Mitchell Gold with us today, co-founder and chairman of Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams, founded the company in 1989, which has resulted in making legions of furniture groupies more comfortable. In every aspect of Mitchell's personal business life, he strives to make a real difference. At the company's headquarters in Taylorsville, North Carolina, Mitchell built a modern factory, in fact, the first furniture factory in North Carolina with air conditioning, established a not-for-profit education-based daycare center for employees in the local community, a health-conscious gourmet cafe, and he also provides health fairs, an on-site nurse, college scholarships for children and employees, all of which have set new standards in the furniture industry. In addition to running his multi-million dollar home furnishings business, which includes 33 signature stores, wholesale and hospitality, Mitchell serves on the board of directors for the Tyler Clementi Foundation, a nonprofit whose mission is to end online and offline bullying in schools, workplaces, and faith communities, and bring national attention to the struggles facing LGBT youth. Having an unending passion to merely move the needle, Mitchell is also well-known in Hollywood and D.C. these days. He created the first furniture license in TV history when he introduced a home furnishings collection inspired by the CBS Emmy Award-winning legal drama, The Good Wife, which went on for about seven years. And at the White House, he had the privilege to modernize the decor for President Obama's private quarters. So Mitchell, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And um, the first question I want to ask you, I've heard through the grapevine that when you first started the company, your first product was a light fixture made of chicken wire. Is that true? Not completely. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) When Bob and I moved to North Carolina... Uh, Bob at the time was an art director for an ad agency, or he'd worked for Seventeen Magazine. And when we were putting the house together, I worked for a company, a big furniture company named Lane at the time. And uh, I told Bob, take six months off when we moved down, decorate the house. You got all this access to furniture. And then he took chicken wire and created a chandelier in the dining room. And what was notable about it is he he took chicken wire, put Christmas lights in it, and did this incredible cloud-like chandelier. And Dorothy Callens, who was the uh, editor-in-chief of Metropolitan Home Magazine at the time, uh, who was a great fashion icon in the industry, uh, they came for dinner, and she was just wowed by this chandelier. And we talked about how Bob had such great talent. And I said, yes, we're going to start a company together. Did you commercially market that product? No. Okay, okay. It was, I too, think hard. So. It was too hard to market. <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you, listening to Larry's introduction, I, I, w- I was ready to apply uh, you know, to the company right away. You do some great things there. You know, one, one of the things that uh, the name of the show is Name Brands. And so we're always curious about you know, the names of things and how it ties in. So in looking at um, uh, Mitchell Gold, Bob Williams, that's kind of a long handle. And so you think, well, maybe, the, you know, could they have called it Mitch and Bob's or, or Gold Williams or something, you know, to, to make it sort of easier? What was the sort of the thought process? Because I think you had to think long and hard by putting two names, two long names together. Well, what originally happened is we were going to call the company Design Line. And then we went to apply for the name and we were told that uh, we couldn't get design line. Somebody else already had it. So in talking to my lawyer, uh, he said, well, just put a name in front of it, like Mitchell's design line. And I started thinking that I knew a lot of people in the furniture industry. Bob didn't know anybody, but I knew a lot of people in the furniture industry. And maybe we'll call it Mitchell Gold's design line. And Bob at the time, almost 30 years ago, was very, very shy, painfully shy. So he wasn't going to be the front person anyway. So he and I talked about it. We made it Mitchell Gold's design line. And we got 
you know, a lot of people heard it, would just at the furniture market would see my name and say, I'm going to go see what that's about. So they, uh, so, so we called it Mitchell Gold's design line. And then people were really just calling it Mitchell Gold because in their computer systems in a store, they couldn't have all those right, letters. So they right, just called right, it Mitchell right. Gold. And then, and that's what we did for a while. But you know, it's interesting because this is a show about brands and why this is so important. Uh, Metropolitan Home Magazine, in fact, gave us an award for a design that we had, a chair design. And when they called and said they were going to send a photographer, and I said, well, let me check with Bob and see when he's available. No, 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 we just want to photograph you. And I said, yeah, but actually, Bob, Bob really does the design. We work as a team on this. So it's really both of us. I mean, the Mitchell Gold Company is really Mitchell and Bob. No, 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 we just want you. So he just took my picture. And then we went to the award ceremony. I was given the award. And I could just feel that it wasn't right. It wasn't being honest about what a brand is. And afterwards, people kept coming up and congratulating me. And Bob was right next to me. And I'd say, yeah, but it's really Bob. And we spent the whole night doing that. And I'm going to get a little teary even talking about it. But I could feel that that's not what a brand is. A brand has to be honest. And we weren't being honest about our name. So the next morning, I just looked at Bob and I said, we're changing the name of the company. And at that point, we had a lot of brand equity in calling it Mitchell Gold. And uh, I said, let's call some consultants and let's, let's get some people together and find out what we really should do. But it can't just be my name because it's both of us. So we talked about calling it MGBW. We talked about, because we're Southern, calling it Mitchie Bobs. <laughs> um, and we, had, and we had, had a couple of firms that we talked to and, you know, uh, the two firms that we really liked, they were going to charge us a quarter of a million dollars each to come up with a new logo <laughs> and a new name. And, you paid yourself the money. <laughs> and, uh, well, our marketing guy, Charlie Holt, and I'm trying to think how old he was then because he's, God, he's like 42 now. So he was like 30 or so. He came into my office one day and he took, he had taken the Mitchell Gold logo and under it, he put a plus sign and Bob Williams. And he said, you know, that's really the brand. That's the honesty of it. And I timed how long it took to say. It takes two seconds to say. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a little long, it takes, but, but it's, and I just thought to myself, but that, that is what it is. And that's what we changed it to. Good for you. Yeah. That, 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 and that really pe people sense. call it Mitchell Gold sometimes. They call it MGBW. We don't care what they call it as long as they say something nice and they're buying. Uh, I, I say the full name. Yeah, 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 I, I, do. Do. I do. A lot of people do. <laughs> so, Mitchie, I have a question for you. <laughs> Mitchie, um, at what point in time when you started the company, because you, you could have really gone on to a, di a lot of different niches, been known for something X, Y, or Z, and you've decided that you're selling comfort. Why did you decide to go the comfort route versus any other potential route as far as your brand image and the whole brand essence about your brand voice? Well, the very first products that we made and the reason for the company was to make upholstered dining chairs. Now, think back to 1989. There were very few upholstered dining chairs on the market. That's right. They were very high end. And when I worked at Lane, they had a small division that had these kind of upholstered dining chairs. And I used to sell a ton of them to a lot of different customers. But they didn't really maximize that business. And I'll just also mention, 
not to badmouth them too much, but they were a company that didn't care about their employees. They didn't care about their customers. It wasn't a great company to work for. They've since been through a lot of reorganizations and bankruptcies, but, mm-hmm. but it was also the impetus of, geez, I don't want to work in this kind of an environment the rest of my life. And Bob and I often talked about, let's start our own company. It doesn't have to be a real big company, but let's do our own thing. So we started by making these upholstered dining chairs because we saw that that was an opportunity in the market. And the whole idea was, you know, prior to that, a lot of dining chairs weren't that comfortable. And we were really selling comfort. And it just took off right away. I mean, when we started the company, because because I knew people like a J.C. Penney and Levitz and Creighton Barrel and Abraham and Strauss Department Store, we sold 5,000 dining chairs before we ever really produced the first one. And we sold 800 dining tables. And from that beginning, we had to work like crazy to get everything out. And then I went around to all the stores and did sales training because now the reorders is the critical thing, you know, the the referrals and the reorders. So uh, comfort was a natural thing for us. And then as we would start talking and thinking about it more, uh, Bob and I talked about how we grew up not being real comfortable. Our parents wouldn't let us in the living room. <laughs> right. The, the plastic over <laughs> the, the furniture. Right. right. <laughs> now, now we're all dating each other. Right. No, we didn't have plastic on our furniture, but we just weren't allowed to sit right. on it. Except maybe the holidays, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, we, we, we weren't allowed in there. But I the still other, had to sit on the plastic, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and stop, remember? <laughs> Well, you have to sit on it with clothes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, and there's uh, another part of our growing up that wasn't comfortable. And it's when you're a gay kid growing up in the 60s or 70s, as Bob was, and I was in the 60s, you're just not comfortable. And it, it started, it really started to hit us that we wanted to talk about comfort, not just in the home and in the dining room, but we wanted to talk about comfort everywhere. And we want people to be comfortable when they walk in our store. We want them to just feel like they're not under pressure. We want our employees to be comfortable at work. We want them to feel that we're not nickel and diming them over everything. Well, let's expand upon that a bit, because I think it's very interesting. I mean, not only do you make comfortable furniture that people enjoy, uh, but you have a company ethos that really talks about and uses the stores as a platform for civil rights. Let's talk about that for a minute. Why not? Um, (laughs) You know, there are people that use their platform to do Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. And uh, I feel, Bob does, that we should use our platform, and especially in a a rural North Carolina town, um, we should use our platform to make sure that everybody knows what we believe in. And we do believe that everybody should have equal rights. And we believe that everybody should have equal spiritual rights, too. And if you're a 15-year-old kid growing up in our area, we want them to know that while they might be being bullied at their church by their pastor or by their parents because of who they are, we want them to know that there is an alternative view. There are alternative facts to Mm -hmm. what's being presented to them as truth. And uh, it's been really exciting. Uh, You know, there's kids that... There was a 19-year-old kid a couple months ago that wrote me a Facebook note and said that if it wasn't for us, he doesn't know what he would have done. Um, and I had to really talk to him for a while because he wanted to come out. And I said, well, let's just make sure, you mm-hmm. know, what your parents stand and things like that because you, you have to be a little careful. But um, 
I just, you know, I, just, I think about it. I'm often asked that question. I, I just can't imagine us running our business any differently. We're just, it's in our DNA. We're just not that selfish that all we want to do is run our business and make money. We want to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Right. Right. Because honesty yeah. really permeates what you're doing, yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. You also, the talk. as consumers, we buy from brands that we can relate to. They relate to our values and companies that are really doing good. Yeah. And you've done a hell of a job doing good and communicating it. And again, you know, there's no question in anybody's mind of what your whole brand essence is all about. So, you know, never mind going to the store and feeling good, but we feel good about your brand. Right. Because you're making a difference, a real difference in many people's lives. And it's good for business. Yeah. And this is, you know, one of the other things that sometimes people don't understand is there are, there's no question in my mind that there are some people that don't buy our product because of our views. But there's so few and far between. Uh, we had a situation last uh, October. I was in our Chicago store with the president, CEO of the bank that we borrow money from. We know one of these private commercial banks. And I'm always a little nervous that these guys are going to think, gee, Mitchell and Bob, they really stick their hands out too mm-hmm. much. And, you know, how does that affect mm-hmm. business and so on? Mm-hmm. And this young lady comes up to me. She's about, she looked about 40 years old. And right in front of him, you know, it wasn't stage. She said, I just want to introduce myself. I see you in the store. I just want to tell you, I just bought a bedroom set. But I saw you on TV when you were on Opening Bell, a CNBC show talking about the North Carolina bigoted legislation. And you spoke so beautifully about it and were so able to speak out. And I was, I I just said, I want to buy from a company like that. So I didn't know much about your company, but I found out. And this is where I came. The first place I came when I wanted a new bedroom set. And I love that the president of the bank heard that. That's right. But we, but I get that all the time. You know, that's, that's why people, people want to buy from companies that make them feel good. I mean, I don't want to buy, I wouldn't go to Chick-fil-A because I know that Chick-fil-A contributes to very mm-hmm. anti-LGBT organizations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really, you want, a lot of people want to buy from companies that they can believe in. One of the things you, you say, and you're very proud of, made in America. Now, that resonates certainly with a lot of people. Is, is that just good marketing or does made in America really make a difference in the quality of the products that you make? Well, I think it does in, in a, the world of upholstery, seating pieces, uh, sofas, chairs, upholstered beds, those pieces. It, it actually, I think, is a little bit easier to make it in America because you're not uh, making your samples overseas. And different than a bedroom set, uh, our upholstery we offer in 350 different fabrics. If you're doing that overseas and then you have to ship it here, it, it just takes that much longer. If you walked into any of our Boston stores or any, any of our stores in America, you can custom order a piece in any of the 350 fabrics or 50 different leathers, and you're pretty much going to get it in your house in six to, in six to eight weeks. You can't do that if it's overseas. Uh, I, I'm going to correct you there. It's not six to eight weeks. I have to tell you something. We have an apartment out of town. And we were shopping for a sectional sofa. And unbeknownst to me, at the same time, my wife went to one uh, Mitchell Gold store. I went to another. Now, we came back, you know, having said we compared notes. We liked the exact same sofa. Really? (laughs) And we had the exact same swatches. Wow. And I have to tell you, we had it, I believe, 
in two or three weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely astounding. You know, astounding because when you go to a furniture store, they're telling you three or four months. Right. But I, 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 I know that, but I don't like to say that because that's what <laughs> we're that, not going to say. say. And, and, and then we might yeah, miss. Therefore, we can't say Mitchell Gold guarantee in three weeks. No. <laughs> that, it then, it, it happened, and we're very pleased this with way it. This way I can be that, comfortable. That, that's I'm, awesome that, that I'm glad. That you and your wife meshed in the same Ab- couch, absolutely. the same material. I mean, what are the odds and, of that and, happening? And, and, and the other thing that was uniform, uh, because, you know, at Mitchell has some locations near where some of our restaurants are. And so I always make, I'm your secret shopper, by the oh, way, Mitchell. Good. Uh, so I will go in there and sort of check uniformly the staff is incredible they very are. very mm-hmm. hospitable and i guess so once from all says, hey has, has mitchell been by lately now i don't know if you have them trained or in fact you had just been by mm-hmm. but they will say oh, he was just you just missed him. i travel to a lot of stores I'm, i i mean coming up to do this i visited all of our stores i spent a couple hours in each one i want to talk to the associates because i think when an associate can say to a customer oh Mitchell was just here. You know, we, we spoke about the media lounge. He's got one in his house. He told us about when he had his nieces and nephews over and five of them from ages five to 13 are all laying on him, blah, blah, blah. It really gives people a better feeling to sell and, and, and really firsthand knowledge of it. Well, you know, piggybacking on what Roger said, you know, Richard Branson has a quote, train people well enough so they can leave treat them well enough so they don't want to leave. It's a great saying. Many of your employees have been there for years and years and years because culturally you're doing something right and you're, I know you're, you're caring about them and it's coming through, but how would you describe your leadership style to ensure that, you know, it, that the family stays together? Years ago, we had a consultant come through the factory who was visiting some other furniture factories. And um, he, he went through the whole factory with Bob and I. And at the end, he said to us, Tell me the one word that describes your business, how you and your employees interact. And I said, well, we care about them. We really care about them. And I think they care about us. And he said, yeah, that's good. He said, but I'll tell you the one word I think of. Watching you and Bob walk around this factory, respect. He said, I have never been with CEOs and presidents of a company that walk around. You have so much respect for your employees. You know so many of them by name. And they treat you with such respect. They're not afraid of you. They smile when you walk by. They say hello. And I think that's a hugely important thing. But I, I have a sign on my desk that says, your success is my success. If every one of my employees is successful... Mm-hmm. then we're going to make money and be mm-hmm. successful. If every one of Bob's team is successful, I want his designers to design things without he and I doing it and that it's successful. And I think that's a, a really hugely important thing. The folks that we have that work hard, care, and are committed and are nice people, they're with us for a long time. Folks that don't want to do that and, and aren't that dedicated, then they end up leaving because there's just a peer pressure also within the company of everybody's got to pull their mm-hmm. weight. Well, it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's like when we spoke with Hervé Hummler from Risk-Carlton, I once asked him, how do you hire people? And this girl was in line with you just said, Mitchell, because Larry, Roger, we don't hire people. We select people. So what you just mentioned about if they don't work out, they're not the right people. So you have to have a pretty good intuition of the kind of people you know they're going to really integrate with the culture you have. Yeah. You have how many stores? You're across the country now. How many stores? We have 33 stores, including a store in Toronto, Montreal, and San Juan. And 
And one of the things I noticed, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious just from a marketing um, perspective and strategy, I also see your, your items are in Bloomingdale's and perhaps others. So it, what is the strategy behind that? Is it to pick up market share? I mean, some retailers would say, no, I just want it in my own store. I'm not going to sell to anyone else. Well, I think that Bloomingdale's is a unique situation. I mean, they're, they're really the best of the best department stores. I think that Bloomingdale's and Neiman's are in a league of their own and of the quality and style sense that they have. And Nordstrom, just a tad under that, let's say. Uh, but Neiman's and Nordstrom really don't carry furniture. Mm-hmm. Bloomingdale's does. And Bloomingdale's has a lot of loyal customers that that's where they shop. They don't necessarily, they, they wouldn't necessarily go to our store in Soho or go to our uh, store in a mm-hmm. different part of town. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to make our furniture accessible to some extent. Uh, so we so we sell to a, a group of independent retailers that are the best of the independent boutique type of store in any given city. We don't generally sell to stores that are uh, that have 50 different lines in it. It's got to be important. And, and the store has to have a certain style sense and also has to give a level of customer service. I mean, we've had stores over the years that we found that weren't giving good customer service. We'd get a complaint from a customer and we shut them down. I mean, they mm-hmm. eventually went out of business anyway because mm-hmm. you can't run a business that way. So, so but our strategy mm-hmm. is to uh, we, we we're not on wild expansion. In fact, I was talking to somebody today at High Point during the big furniture market. We have a showroom with a waiting area, and it, it's by appointment. If somebody new comes in and says they want to buy from us, we show them a piece of paper that has our requirements. They've got to do a certain amount of business, but we also want to see what their store looks like. We want to know what their financials are like. Do they have credit? Because it reflects your brand. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally reflective reflect on the brand. We, you know, if, if we were, you know, whatever company we were selling, it, it didn't matter what the brand was. But this is really important to us. And I think that's why people buy from us, because they've had experience buying from us and knowing that they're getting good service. What do you, what, when, when you think of expanding a market or not expanding a market, how do you view online and what's taking place on online? It's where customers are shopping. It's where customers are shopping, and it's where customers are getting information. You know, we have a lot of customers. I think one of the hugely different things today from 20 years ago is customers today walk in. They've been online. They've done their research ahead of time. They've got tear sheets. They printed it out, and they'll walk in and say to a, an associate, I like this sofa. Can you help me pick out some pillows? I want to look at these fabrics. I mean, they, they, they're, they're, they're using online to assist in their purchasing, and then they might come in the store and get help from somebody, and then they might end up two weeks later at two o'clock in the morning buying it. We have to be where the customers are, and we work a lot with our associates to not be threatened by the web, but to embrace it and to let it work for them. And there are some people, they don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, right. come, come right. in an odd society mm-hmm. that way, and I am guilty of that to some extent. Sometimes when I go into a store, if I really don't feel like talking to anybody, I'd rather just look and then go and buy it whenever I want to. Mitchell, as far as what you're looking at in your vision, because every season it changes. So I look at you as being a trend spotter and a trendsetter. What inspires you in designing new collections? Is it pop culture? Is it your international travels? Is it focus groups? What, what basically comprises what you're going to create for the next season? It's all of those things. And each of our collections, we, we don't have a revolution each season, but we have an evolution. And our 
because we wanted if somebody bought a sofa from us uh, l- last year that is not out of style, that, that, that the new things that we have will work with the things that they have. But we, mm-hmm. we are going everywhere. I mean, I'll, I'm going uh, with a team of our designers in, in uh, April to Milan to the International Furniture Fair there. Uh, we'll go through the fair but, and we'll look for some new suppliers that could help us out. But we will also just go to museums and sightsee. In fact, I have one young guy and he wrote to me, he said, you know, I'd like to spend a few extra days and go sightseeing. And I wrote back to him, I said, no, no, we're going to go sightseeing. That's part of why we're going. Uh, you know, part of today, I talked to all of the associates and I want to know what are customers looking for that we don't have? What do they say about this? So we use all of that information. So when you start to see these things in pop culture, then it's not that far of a stretch to start seeing it in the home. Uh, how, you know, you, you touched on evolution. What do you see evolving with the millennial demographic in terms of what people are buying today uh, that, you know, that, that people were buying before and not now? Well, you know, the, the millennials are a huge market and some of them don't have much money and they're shopping at this store. And some of them, uh, you know, we, we love to have millennials shop with us, but they have to be making a certain amount of money. We're not the least expensive store in town. Uh, but it's interesting watching them come in. They want fun things uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, but some of them also want a basic classic piece that they know will last. It's their first big piece of furniture that they're buying. Uh, so it's, it's a wide variety of things, and we have to be able to offer that to them. Suburban, urban, do you see a shift at all? You know, it's interesting. Uh, our urban stores, we have to keep in mind, have a lot of customers who have suburban homes, who, who have a, a place at the beach or a place in the country. And we have a lot of customers, you know, could be in the Boston stores or in New York, who just bought a beach house and the great thing about that a lot of times is they have no furniture or they're taking their stuff from the city and moving it out there and buying new stuff. You know, I was just down in Florida. One of the huge advantages to our Florida market is when people retire and move down there, they're doing it in their 60s and they're selling everything they have up here because they want to start fresh and start new. So it's uh, it just depends on the size of the rooms and the size of the place. You know, when somebody lives in a city, it doesn't mean they want small-scale furniture. And one of a, and a decorating trick is when you have a room that isn't that big, sometimes you do put larger pieces of furniture in and it makes the room more luxurious looking. So it, there, there, there's not mm-hmm. a one or the other. When- when Joseph Abu was with us, he mentioned Seersucker is coming back, but in a different format, different feeling. Right. In your industry, what designs of fabrics are you seeing coming back? Like, again, just in a different look, feel, touch? Well, I think a good example of that would be a lot of the bold colors that we're using this season. Um, orange like a greenish apple green uh, velvet, uh, some of these colors. But they're a shade different than they used to be. They're not, for us anyway, because we are developing these fabrics ourselves, they're not really primary colors, but they have a softness to them. So it's how, and, and it's how you mix them. Uh, in, if you go into our store to see this collection, we have a really pretty blush pink, but we're mixing it with grays and soft whites, and it, it, it it's very appealing looking. So it's a warmer, t- a warmer tone. Yeah, it's, yeah, even though the colors, right, they're not bold, they're warmer. Larry, Larry mentioned that uh, you're on The Good Wife. You've been on it for seven seasons right now. Where else can we see uh, some of your furniture? 
in the White House. Well, <laughs> well, some of us don't you know. Get invited. Let me just say, not this White House. <laughs> That's not, another not, show. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is like garish, gilded gold. But um, I, I, I think it's March the second or so. The Good Fight, which is the sequel to The Good Wife, is launching on CBS streaming. Oh, really? And we have a furniture collection with them that we've just announced. Now, you have a furniture collection. You did have a furniture collection that you sold as the Good Wife collection. Mm-hmm. How did that sell to the general public? And now, will this collection with the Good Fight, you have the same marketing and merchandising strategy? Even more. Mm. It sold very well. It sold so well that CBS came to us and said, we have the Good Fight. We want to do another collection. That's great. And But what we're going to do is we actually are setting up a, a separate landing spot on our webpage uh, that we're going to continue some of the best-selling pieces from The Good Wife, and then we have new pieces for The Good Fight. And I'm just curious, how did you get involved in modernizing President Obama's private quarters? Uh, Michael Smith was the interior decorator, and we know Michael a little bit. And he uh, did something really nice and bright. He didn't use any one company's furniture, but he got he used a lot of different American companies, uh, and we were one of them. And uh, it was a really great thing for me that I met the president. I met Obama several times, but the first time that I met him, I made a comment to him. I said, "The sectional that you have in your family quarters in the rocking chair, this, the uh, the swivel chair, uh, that's from our company." He just stopped. There was all these people, and he just stopped and said, you're kidding. I love that chair. That's where I sit. And the kids love that Dr. Pitt. It's called Dr. Pitt section. And, you know, he chatted for a couple minutes, and everybody around was just like, you know, in shock. But he was was very sweet and warm, and then uh, it was a group of 10 business people, and then we moved over to another area, and he put his arm around me and walked and talked. So what what kind of pieces did you furnish him with? Well, one's called Dr. Pitt. Dr. Which Pitt. is a big sectional that we have. Right. And the thing about Dr. Pitt is it's a sectional with ottomans that are the same height as the seat. And you can create, for example, like a big square. Hmm. So kids love it because they jump on it and, and they watch TV and play games. It's a real family-friendly kind of piece. Mitchell, we have something called the lightning round. And so what we're going to do is we're going to fire questions at you. And, and if you could answer them as succinctly, we'll go back and forth and see if we can get as much information in here as we can. I'll so try. question number one, if you could drive any car, which best do you think would underscore your personality and style? Well, I drive a Bentley Continental <laughs> GTC, and I love it because it's a uh, it's like a taupey gray with orange leather interior and blonde burlwood, and it's 10 years old, and I just have been looking for a new car, but I'm not getting one because I love this one so much. <laughs> okay. All but right. it's fast, it's stylish, and it's comfortable. I'm sure it looks good on the road. There's it no question. What, one of your mantras in your 25 mantras, in your book, Who We Are, says, we never miss a meal, ever. What's, what's your favorite meal? Well, I think breakfast is probably my favorite meal. I get up every morning. My husband doesn't like to wake up that much in the morning. I wake up, make omelets for us, bring it to him in bed, and it's our, it's our great time together. Favorite piece of furniture in your home? Our bed. We have one of the new adjustable beds that we have, and I highly recommend it for a staycation. Stay home for a week, have breakfast, watch TV, So so this is motorized? It's motorized. It lifts the back. It vibrates. You you hit another button and a light goes on, so if you get up in the middle of the night, as a lot of men do, um, 
the light goes on <laughs> under the bed so you don't trip over everything. <laughs> ah, very good. Um, as you know, um, I think we mentioned to you when I talked last time, we have your genie chair at home. Love it. How was the name Genie created? Naming, in 1989 when we started, one of the things that we did from a marketing perspective is we named all of our furniture. It's hard to believe, but most furniture companies at that time, the name of a piece of a product might be like the 1820-12, or they would call it, or they would name it after a city, the Milan collection or the Malibu collection. But we decided that each piece would have a personality. So we go through these rather lengthy naming meetings, and we have our marketing department, our design people. We've got a whole bunch of people involved in it. Favorite color? Well, I, I didn't say these were going to be easy questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I would have to say it's white. It's easier than Jeopardy. I would, have, I would have to say white. Okay. Very good. But I really love orange a lot. Soft colors of orange <laughs> yeah, are yeah. really pretty. Uh-huh. Mitchell, is there a product that you created that simply didn't click with the consumer? Yes. What was it? <laughs> You know, when I worked at Bloomingdale's, the famous Carl Levine once said to me, maximize your successes, minimize your failures. I don't talk about my failures. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you that our first chair collection that we did, that Bob designed, the scale was enormous. We couldn't even get it through a door. (laughs) And afterwards, I said something to him about it. And this is what I love about him so much. He said, yeah, I know. It's really not scaled right. And he set out to really learn proportion. And I think if you asked every editor from major shelter magazines, what is one of the cornerstones of our company? They'll say that the proportion of our product is really right on target. And Bob really taught himself that. What are the trends in terms of fabric versus leather? Well, we're seeing a lot more fabric, uh, a lot less leather, um, a lot of velvet, a lot of linen. People want soft fabrics, soft to their hand. Uh, leather, generally, we're, we're seeing on chairs, an occasional chair. Uh, but that said, we've just introduced a gorgeous new sectional in a grayish leather that's just sensational. Is there a specific room in the house you enjoy designing more than other rooms? Is there one sweet spot that you just fall in love with? Well, I think bedrooms are really uh, important because I think people spend a lot of time in it, uh, and a lot of people spend more time in it than they will admit to. You know, they don't want to admit that they have breakfast in bed or eat dinner in bed or something. And in our new catalog, we did a two-page spread and called it a staycation and talked about the new adjustable bed and stuff. Last question. In your opinion, the most important home accessory that people tend to overlook? I would have to say it's a defibrillator. Every home. (laughs) Not meant to be that funny, um, but every home, including my home, has a defibrillator because, you know, if somebody has a heart attack, if you can get it within seven minutes, you can really make an impact in saving their life. So we have a defibrillator in my house. We have them in the stores. And we often talk about how it's an important home accessory. And I bet bet it's in white. I was just (laughs) going to say. It's it's in red. It's in red. (laughs) We don't sell that. But a warm red. But I have a heart condition, so I'm more sensitive to it. And women 
tend, and women have uh, heart conditions are very bad for women and women don't identify it early enough. They don't pay enough attention to themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're on a health kick about the heart. Well, on that upbeat note, Mitchell, thank you very much. That's the last question. Now ask me something else that'll be more upbeat. (laughs) It was great having you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was great to be with you guys. Well, that's it for us. We'll be back to talk to you again next Wednesday. Remember to subscribe to Name Brands on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and get in touch with us. We'd love to hear more from you. We're at Name Brands Pod on Twitter or on Facebook at Name Brands Podcast. 